Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Radio Islam family, it is good to be back with you. Could not wait. 6 p.m. Central Time. If this is your first time listening, this is Radio Islam and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And if you happen to be listening via our live stream, you are listening on www.wcev1450.com. We come to you live every day from 6 to 7 p.m. And we are a live call-in talk radio program. And if you'd like to give us a call during the course of our program, feel free to give us a call at 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. For those of you who are on social media, take a minute and go to Twitter, to Instagram, and look for us at Radio Islam USA. Like us, follow us, send us a tweet, tag us in a photo. Let us know you're there. We'll know you're there. And if you're on Facebook, this is the good stuff. If you're on Facebook, because our Facebook page is open during our broadcast. So if you can't get to the phone, but you'd like to ask a question, make a comment, that is the place to do it. So our Facebook page, we're at the same username, and that's at Radio Islam USA. So if you search Radio Islam USA, make sure that you like the page, follow us there. And there you can get prob- you can get a lot of great content uh, in addition to our website. So our website is www.radioislam.com. Stop by there. You can see articles, guest bios, and a lot of other real, uh, really cool information. So it is Wednesday. What's up Wednesday? Uh, we are, once again, just thankful to, to be, spend this time with you. Uh, so if you're in the car... Or you're on a train. We hope that you have a safe ride home and that you're in good spirits. Uh, before I introduce our in-studio guest, I just wanted to, uh, to remind us of a couple of things. I'm sure you might have heard in our opening segment, uh, seeing, that, seeing that this is What's Up Wednesday. I want to just remind you of three upcoming events very quickly. Uh, the first is going to be, I'm going to give them to, you, give them to you in order. So November 11th, Masjid Al-Taqwa is having a play, and the play is entitled In Spite Of, put on by the Taqwa Theater Ensemble, and that's going to be at Chicago State's Breaky Theater. You can go to Eventbrite to get tickets, or you can go to uh, Masjid Al-Taqwa's Facebook page. Uh, yours truly does have a small part in it. Would love to see you after the show, uh, talk with you, so we invite you out for that. Tickets are $25 for that production. And what's next? Oh, yes. Now we also have on the on November 12th, we've got two great events that are going on, and they do not conflict with one another. You just have to leave one a little early, okay? So the first one is a free event, and that is going to be held at AIC, which is American Islamic College. And I believe the address is 640 Irving Park Road. 639 or 640, but they're right off of Lakeshore Drive. For those of you who are in the Chicagoland area and would like to attend, there's going to be a memorial, a, a celebration of the, the life and work of Professor Sharif Bassiouni, who recently passed. He is looked at as the father of international criminal law. And there's some great, there's a great lineup of speakers that will be there to share 
some uh, just to share some reflections and to get some insights on how his work has translated, um, how, how it has affected uh, and, and built a platform for the work that they engage in today. So that'll be a, a great event. It's going to be going on at uh, 2 p.m. And, of course, the Radio Islam annual fundraising dinner, which is going to be at 5 p.m. In, uh, at Ashton Place in Willowbrook. So I'm not going to harp on it too much, but we really want to see you out. We need your support. Um, we, we appreciate you investing the time that you do in us. And we just want to be able to, to look you in the eye and say thanks for coming out. Uh, and we appreciate you listening. And, you know, we value, we value uh, the relationship uh, that we have. So November 12th, 5 p.m., Ashton Place in Willowbrook. Uh, there's a lot going on. We'll continue to talk about it between uh, now and then. But those are the What's Up Wednesday updates. So we are blessed, fortunate, uh, thankful to Allah, to God Almighty, to have with us in studio uh, Kamal Rashid. And he is an urban farmer. You don't hear much. Well, actually, you are starting to hear a little, a little bit more about it. Uh, but he is an urban farmer, and he's the founder and operator of Zanjibil Gardens. He began farming in 1999 and bought his first plot in Atlanta, Georgia, in 2001. He first he moved back to Illinois and bought land in Pembroke, uh, which is um, outside of, it's a south, it's south of Chicago, um, I guess out near Kankakee. Um, but he bought, he bought a plot of land out there and began farming uh, in Chicago in 2016. Now, he also specializes in soil mineraliz uh, mineralization, which is a really exciting topic that we're going to get into uh, you know, in our, in our conversation, excuse me. Uh, he recently received the Whole City Foundation and the Resident Association of Greater Inglewood Award. And uh, we're just really uh, pleased to have him in studio with us. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Thank you. So let's, let's just jump in into uh, an, urban, an urban farmer. How did you how did you make your way into farming? Did well, uh, <clears throat> I got a revelation. God said, "Grow food for your friends and family." That was <laughs> sometime in the late nineties, and in ninety nine, I bought uh, I rented a two acre piece of land in uh, Stone Mountain, Illinois. I mean, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Right. And I put together a small uh, farm, and it worked out real well. Unfortunately, uh, no, that was in 96 because the Olympics was going on, and my landlord uh, wanted to jack the rent up for the Olympics, so that didn't last too long. Right, right. But there was a wonderful plot of land right in the edge of Stone Mountain, and uh, it was an opportunity to grow. And how long did you farm that land? Uh, a couple of years. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, probably 95, 96. Now, this was the beginning of your involvement or your, your journey into farming. Did you, did you already know what it took to farm, or was this your test, kind of a test site for you? That was uh, a test site for me. Um, I... Um, <clears throat> 
studied everything that the um, what they call the uh, extension service. Okay. Yeah, I practically got a master's in gardening and farming. I studied everything out there that was to be given outside of uh, going to a formal educational institution. Uh, I graduated from Western Illinois that had a big ag uh, department, and I found that the uh, student farmers were really unique people, had a lot of character, and uh, they were kind of unique. So I was always impressed with those guys. Mm, Okay. You you know what I just realized before I ask you my next question? I've been, I've had the, 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 the pleasure, uh, the, the honor, the blessing of being the host of Radio Islam now for a little bit over two months. So I've gotten increasingly more and more comfortable, you know, behind the microphone and, and talking with the Radio Islam family. And as is the case with family, you don't introduce yourself. <laughs> and I was just thinking, when we came on, I said, who, were, who you were listening to? But I did not introduce myself. So very quickly, uh, this is your host, Tariq Alameen. If this is your first time listening, this uh, I am who is behind the mic. Tariq Alameen talking to you uh, with Kamal Rashid of Zanjabil Garden. So next question for you is, uh, so farming is not, uh, aside from the, the education that you have amassed, you know, uh, going into it, but farming is not your first it's not your first uh, occupation. Right. Well, I'm currently retired from real work. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, my background is actually software development, and I'm I'm a pretty old guy, although I know I sound really young. Right. But uh, I'm an old-time mainframer where we had to learn how to add, subtract, and multiply, and hexadecimal and other funny numbering systems. I worked on the mainframe. And I was inspired by a guy named John Jevons, who was a computer guy turned into a farmer. And uh, I think I was also inspired by um, a guy uh, that uh, talked about going from high tech to high touch. So that's the path that uh, I kind of pursued. And... uh, a guy, John Jevons, wrote the book "How to Grow More Vegetables on a Small Plot of Land." On the smallest plot of land you ever thought possible. Some really long title, but it uh, had almost everything one would want to know about growing and planting the vegetables, uh, the spacing, and all the things that you need to know about vegetables. So, t- tell us, what was your first? What were you, What was your first crop? Probably um, green beans, uh, po- uh, pole beans. These are uh, vining plants, which I really love. Uh, many plants are very vigorous. Uh, many vining plants are very vigorous. But a lot of them have been uh, bred to be bush that is easily harvested by machines. And that's one of the big, big problems in agriculture uh, it's been, they try to make it into a industrial process when it's actually a natural process. They change things from their original forms and make it uh, easier to mass produce. But at the same time, 
they tend to reduce the uh, resiliency and flavor of things that you find in in nature. So uh, in this society, it seems to be always a two-tier thing, one that's built toward uh, industrialization and one toward nature. We find that in in healthcare and a number of areas. Let me ask you this, because now, uh, now being back in Illinois, well, particularly... Uh, particularly back in Chicago, because Pembroke is more situated uh, of what rural. we yeah, R- rural. It's, it's a rural area, yes. right? So now being back in Chicago, uh, and you have how many how many plots do you have in Chicago? I have two plots in Chicago. So you have you have two plots in Chicago. So what are the uh, what are some of the challenges and some of the benefits of of farming in an urban area? Well, let's compare it to a rural area. Um, urban area, you have, uh, you're in the middle of a heat island. So your What do you mean by heat island? Well, the pavement and concrete absorbs and release a lot more heat than the soil in the rural area. So you are, in fact, Chicago is in kind of a, a zone, an agriculture zone called 5B. Whereas the surrounding rural areas is five, and the higher your number, the higher the temperature. So we're a whole half zone higher in the city than we are in the country, which allows you to have more warmth since we're in the northern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Warmth is a premium, but you're down in if you're down in the tropics, school would be a premium. So uh, that's one of the advantages. Another advantage for growing in the city is that you have uh, water more available. Mm -hmm. You also have less animal pressure. Uh, You don't have all kind of creatures that come on your land and eat your food without paying for it. So uh, one of the disadvantages of being in the city is that uh, most of the soil in Chicago is considered polluted. We're polluted with lead and also creosote from the Chicago fire. So many plots, in fact, uh, some people recommend that most plots you bring in remediated soil or you can uh, raise the soil up and sometimes put a a tarp between the soil you're growing in and the um, soil that currently exists. My land here in Chicago, approximately 15,000 square feet, split between two 7,500 feet lot, is on uh, four feet of horse bedding, uh, one foot of clay soil formulated, uh, shaped in a shell, and one foot of topsoil. So all my soil has been uh, remediated before the fact and raised now, what is what is horse bedding? Horse bedding is what they use to um, in stables to uh, form beds for the horses. Uh, it consists of horse manure and straw. That's pretty cheap, and people want to get rid of that stuff. Right. And it makes excellent base for growing soil. Mm. Okay. So we have. Uh, our land doesn't have to worry about lead pollution 
or creosote from the Chicago Fire. Okay. So is remediation, is that the same thing as soil uh, mineralization? No. Uh, remediation is uh, taking out toxic materials, and it uh, can be done several ways. But one of the ways is um, certain cucurbits, which is the pumpkin family, uh, cucumber, watermelon, squash, those are plants that readily absorb toxins from the soil. And that's one of the reasons why some people don't like watermelon. A lot of the old watermelon people used to get would be full of uh, pesticides and would give you a gag reaction. You kind of eat the watermelon and want to give it back, give it, give it back to where it came from. Wow. So, but organic watermelon don't give you that gag reaction. So a lot of people that, after a while, stop liking watermelon. It's just because the watermelon had probably eaten watermelon that wasn't organic. Okay. All right, Raider Slime family, for those of you who have gardens uh, and you have questions, then this is definitely the time for you to uh, make that post on Facebook or give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. We're talking with Kamal Rashid of Zanjabil Gardens, and he's giving some, some, some great information, and I know that there's more to come. So let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, so how did you come? So was, was this a part of the, 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 the intense education that you went through in order to, to know what, what crops remediate the soil? Well, you kind of pick a lot of things up as you go along. Um, there's uh, agriculture is culture. It's the base of our culture as it exists at this point. And there's so many things that is known and recorded and passed on because it's essential. Um, I noticed uh, that, uh, you know, people talk about food, clothes, and shelter, but uh, we certainly, there's people who live outdoors. Mm-hmm. So shelter is not completely necessary. Clothes and food is necessary. And in some societies, they don't use clothes. So we definitely need to eat, though. So people know a lot about agriculture. Some of it is not sustainable. But we do know how to create food from the soil right. or grow food from the soil. Okay, so what is the uh, you do you do something that is really uh, inventive in terms of merging technology with farming uh, and urban farming? Would, would you talk a little bit about that? Well, there are several areas. Um, I my background around is in computer programming. I was a mainframe programmer, mm-hmm. so in the marketing and production arena. Uh, I use uh, crop planting software, which helps organize all the information. I grow from 15 to 30 different varieties of plants, and each one has its own uh, cultivation regimen. Cultivation regimen means when do you plant the plant, how deep you plant the plant, what distance, 
what does it require lots of sun or little sun or shady does it require uh slightly acid soil or uh base soil which is the opposite of acid um what kind of companion what kind of plants it likes what kind of bug likes it what kind of plants it likes yeah you can plant plants and companions and they help one another like uh, basil likes tomatoes and tomatoes like basil <laughs> and sometimes one plant keeps bugs certain bugs from attacking the other plant one plant may shade another one plant may suck oxygen uh, nitrogen out of the air and put it in its roots and give it to its neighbor plant so uh, there's companion planting and we do some of that also um, so there's all kinds of information associated with each plant and it's a whole lot to keep in your head but it's all recorded uh, plants are in different families we have about nine different families like your most nutritious plants are brassicas they also call them crucifer plants and that's the cabbage family that's a common name and that consists of cabbage broccoli cauliflower surprisingly radishes uh, things that people don't eat a lot of like kohlrabi uh, and certain Asian vegetables are all brassicas and they are plants that are really good for you to have uh, a sulfur base a lot of people don't realize that um, the I'm going to get a little political here mm-hmm. they re um, they rescinded the sugar tax but according to a doctor named Holland, he created, he authored a book called Infectious Diabetes. And he says that diabetes is caused by a fungus infection. And these brassicas have sulfur and they kill fungus. And one of the things about fungus is they love sugar. Right. Also, he says that cancer is caused by fungus and fungus is a real smart it's not a plant it's not a green plant it's a different whole genius it's between a a plant and an animal and uh diabetes in uh in type 1 diabetes where you don't have the cells that produce insulin this plant disguised this uh a, a fungus decides disguise itself as a uh, a cell, and it tricks your body into killing your beta pancreas cells. And when you don't have those cells, you can't process the sugar. Right. And that fungus loves the sugar because it loves to eat sugar. And they say that cancer is caused by a similar. Uh, well, cancer loves sugar. And also heart disease kind of uh, feeds off of sugar. And so the uh, rescinding of the uh, sugar tax probably will cause a lot of people to suffer and die because they didn't, you know, they're going out and spending all their money on sugary treats and sodas and other drinks. So All right, so we're, take, we're taking a hard left here, or hard <laughs> right. 
um, and getting off of farming for just a moment. Right. But well, that's why farming is important. But you, you think that people stop buying sugary items because of the sugar tax? Absolutely. I haven't bought any lately. You I know, wouldn't expect people, you. <laughs> people, people, you know, we don't have a necessarily right to eat sugar. And tax don't say you can't have sugar at all. But it makes it makes you think twice when you had to pay a penny, an ounce more for it. So people are focusing on the uh, political thing, but uh, what about the health aspect? What's in it for the black folks? One of the radio people said, well, I think less cancer, diabetes, and heart disease. And so we have to be really thoughtful about what we do. You know, I'll add to that before we get back into the farming. I think that it didn't seem to be really that well thought out. And the justification came for it after, after the fact. Um, also, if you're really trying to, to help communities de- uh, deal with obesity, to deal with sugar-related illnesses, I find it interesting that there was no mention about uh, Halloween candy. <laughs> so, I mean, people are still gonna, people are, are still gonna go out and purchase, I mean, uh, and even us of that dollars. know better, um, sugar is very addictive. It's supposed to be ten times more addictive than cocaine. I've heard, uh-huh. and uh, it's readily available. Yeah, and we all have to be uh, become educated and exercise a certain degree of self discipline. Oh, so agree with you. the I agree side with you. effect, of yeah. course, they wanted to get the tax to deal with the problems with the money in our government, mm-hmm. our county government. But one of the good side effects is if you could save some lives because sugar is very bad, and we know that certain people eat more sugary things than they probably should because we don't have, we have food deserts in certain communities. So we might have to have you back to... <laughs> And, and, and I would love to have a physician and to have um, a uh, and have one of our local uh, maybe some maybe someone from our county government uh, yeah to, to maybe have we can have Boykins and that. Dr. Mason come on and talk yeah because doc, Dr. Mason is one of the few people that stood up prominently mm-hmm. unfortunately uh, people are easily manipulated and the political reasons are all well and good we should have reelected. Stroger, mm-hmm. but um, you know, uh, I think we were manipulated on that All right. particular let, issue. Let, let, let me get, let's get back into. Uh, as a matter of fact, what we're going to do, uh, Raider Slime family, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, jot the number down: three one two seven five zero one one seven eight. Three one two seven five zero one one seven eight. This is Tariq Alamine, Radio Slime. We'll be back in a minute. traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. 
find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. On November 12th, Radio Islam will be hosting a benefit dinner held at Ashton Place in Willowbrook, Illinois. Our keynote speaker is Professor John Esposito, a long-standing ally of the Muslim community. We'll also feature an exhibit by the late Jack Shaheen. Tickets are on sale now at eventbrite.com. Radio Islam is the first live daily radio show by Muslims. People are always talking about Muslims. It's time we talk back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. You are listening to WCEV 1450 AM, and we are streaming live on www.wcev1450.com. In studio today, we have Kamal Rashid. He is the founder and the operator of Zanjabil Gardens. He is an urban farmer. He's got two plots of land in the city, 15,000 square feet, split up 7,500 in each plot. And he's been giving some great information. So now uh, there's a term that he mentioned earlier, which was soil mineralization. And we're going to get into that. So if you could give the Radio Islam family, give our listeners an idea as to what does that mean? What is, and what does it entail? Well, soil mineralization is not brand new, but most gardeners and conventional farmers talk about fertilizing and talk about NPK, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Mm -hmm. But plants need a lot more than that. And a person by the name of William, his name starts with an S, and he's from the University of Missouri. He studied at the University of Illinois, and I'll think of his name. But he uh, did test uh, during World War II. He operated in the 30s and and during the World War II, but he did test of draft uh, draft, draftees for the U.S. Army, and he found that people from Appalachia had bad teeth and bad health, and he compared them to the people from the Midwest, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, and they had good teeth and good health, and he found uh, that the soil in the Midwest had a better balance of calcium and magnesium. In fact, he found many different minerals that was essential in growing healthy plants, healthy animals, and healthy human beings, like um, calcium and magnesium, uh, sulfur and iron and cobalt and molybdenum and boron and selenium. All those things have to be present for certain enzymes to exist in your body, and they had to be present for those enzymes to function. And if you don't have those base minerals, you're going to be sick. You're not going to do everything you're supposed to do 
optimally. So uh, right now there's a guy named Dan Kittredge out of uh, Connecticut. And our local, uh, there's an organization called the Bionutrient Food Association. Dr. Shemuel Israel is the head of that, our local chapter. Mm-hmm. And we get various uh, minerals uh, from places like uh, Missouri and other places. And we make sure it's available in the soil. There are certain soil tests that is on a different tier. There's always two tiers mm-hmm. to things. And this particular um, soil mineralization, a guy named David uh, Yarrow in, in Florida is using, and we're using it here. And uh, it helps us make sure that our food is nutrient-dense. You can look that up. Mm-hmm. On Google, we are Zanjibil Gardens. One of the three um, purposes of Zanjibil is uh, number one to produce the healthiest, tastiest food, and we do that through soil mineralization. Number two, to mitigate climate change, and we do that by sequestering carbon. And number three, we want to uh, teach urban people how to make a career uh, doing urban farming. And I can go on for a little while why that is important. Uh, I, I, I want to stop you on <laughs> on two of the things you just mentioned. Okay. Okay. And the first being what is the, the process of soil mineralization? And the second, how you are mitigating climate change. I mean, I think... Yeah, if you could speak to that first one briefly and, and really just expound, because that mitigating climate change, that's, that's huge. It certainly is, and uh, it has impact for everybody. Right. Like, we worry about Black Lives Matter and sugar tax and stuff, but we also should worry about the whole earth and how what we eat has a lot of effect on our overall sustainability uh, black lives won't matter if everybody is dead, and uh, no one's you know, life will matter at that point. Right? Yeah. So let's talk about soil mineralization. All these elements uh, exist on Earth, in some places more abundantly than others. Uh, they've determined that uh, many of the plants need a lot of things, beside nitrogen. Uh, phosphorus and potassium. Those are macronutrients. Mm -hmm. And the same scenario also exists when you're feeding yourself macronutrients versus micronutrients. So macronutrient versus what what is a macronutrient? That's something that exists in um, parts per thousand or thirds and halves and fifths and twentieths. Micronutrients uh, exist in parts per million. So some of these things I'm mentioning only need to have one part per million to be active in your way your enzymes are processed in your body. And the way you determine what is needed, there are certain soil tests that are not usually promoted by the extension service. And it, uh, you test and you find out what's what's needed, um, and you just add it in the right proportions. These things are pro- proportional to one another. 
uh, Dr. Israel knows all the proportions. And that's a little bit beyond my scope. I know in general, but I have experts that can help measure the soil and tell me what minerals are needed in what proportions. Okay. So how, how do you get it in there? Well, you just mix them up and you add them to the soil. You, you can put them right on the top. You don't have to plow them in. Uh-huh. And you just layer them on top of the soil. Some of them take a whole season to come into full effect. Almost all of them are non-burning, non-toxic. In fact, all of them are that level. They're pretty inert overall. And sometimes it's hard to put too much in. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now that second question. How are you mitigating climate change? Well, the best way is to try to imitate the way Allah has created his universe and earth and the whole system of things, being close to what is done naturally. Um, (coughs) There's a process called composting. We know that all we live in a carbon-based um, earth. All of our plants and animals and are made of carbohydrates. Carbon is very important, but we have a lot of carbon that's in the air and not in the soil. And our current farming practices uh, makes the carbon evaporate out of the soil. What we do is we uh, take trees that are that are dead, and, and if you let them sit, the carbon would evaporate out of them. We take these trees and turn them into charcoal, not the briquettes. That's how we know charcoal. But the charcoal is black, mm-hmm. and carbon is black, and carbon is a in the middle of the periodic chart, so it doesn't easily break down. Um, so we take a tree... And we uh, burn it in the absence of air, which um, keeps the carbon from totally combusting. And it, it makes the cells remain intact. But we blow out the carbon monoxide, hydrogen, water vapor, and other materials that normally occupy the cell of the wood. And what you get left is pure carbon in a matrix uh, formation at uh, a microcell level. And these empty cells make beneficial, beneficial, makes luxury homes for beneficial bacteria and fungus. And those bacteria eat other types of food, uh, organic materials that may be in the soil, And what's left is food for the plants. And because this carbon, this charcoal, is inert, it stays in the ground for thousands of years. And there's been reports of 880% increases in productivity based on uh, being in poor soils. So the better your soil, the less uh, beneficial it is if you already start off with good soil. So this process is uh, very easily uh, done. 
you can dig a pit and put the wood in the pit and because of the shape of the pit the top wood burns where the bottom wood simmers and it blows out all these other materials and leave the carbon matrixes in place so it's very scalable and can be done from with primitive people with charcoal stoves to giant industrial kilns and then there's other ways of uh, sequestering carbon uh, when you have a multi-species grazing like cows followed by chickens followed by goats uh, is a way the cows eat the plants then their um, feces is picked over by chickens and then it's also eaten by goats and what you have left is very fertile soil. In fact, the same processes of having certain bacteria in your stomach is the same processes plants eat by. However, their stomach is on the outside of their body. But the same bacteria that you find in um, probiotics, I mean to okay. say probiotics, yeah. is the process by which that works. So you had to inoculate the biochar with uh, various probiotics or compost tea to have the beneficial bacteria being inside of that. And in the same time, you're burying this carbon, putting it back where it came from, and that's how we uh, sequester carbon. Wow. It's kind of deep, but it's done... In nature, almost automatically. And it's something that every farm can do on a farm scale. I have a five-foot metal kiln, but you could use uh, a little pit to create uh, biochar. So is this something that you teach? Um, Absolutely. Um, It's a practice that um, people can come by and witness if they like. That is a great, I'm glad you said that. Where is Zangibel Gardens? It's uh, at 348 West 72nd Street in Chicago on the south side. That's four blocks west of 9094 and four blocks east of Halsted. And also the other plot is at 7232 Stewart, which is right on the same street. Okay. So uh, do you have any ongoing uh, upcoming projects that are taking place right now? Well, I'm glad you asked because tomorrow we're finishing out our greenhouse in our Pembroke Township location. We're putting up uh, the final metal pieces and we'll be putting the plastic on. It's not really a greenhouse. It's a hoop house or a high tunnel. Right. It's 30 by 72, so we'll be finishing that out. And sometimes before the ground freezes, we hope to get a cover crop in on uh, the uh, 72nd Street location and the 72nd and Stewart location, and also the uh, Pembroke Township location. All right, I've got to ask, uh, for the benefit of those who are not familiar with the, the farming jargon, what is a cover crop? Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, it's a crop that you grow to cover the soil, to uh, mitigate uh, erosion by wind or rain. Also, it uh, 
You can put a cover crop in the summertime that adds nitrogen. Uh, buckwheat adds phosphorus. Um, the winter crop holds the soil in place and add organic material to your soil. Okay, so it's a way of holding everything together. Yes, it covers, sometimes they call it green manure because uh, horse manure is frequently used to help fertilize land, soil. Okay. Now, what, um, when do you teach, or do you teach as a part of people working or volunteering at Zanjibel Gardens? Well, we're going to start off teaching as part of Zanjibel Gardens, but as time go on, we're going to build a component where we're actually teaching people how to farm. And we plan to, um, we have some beautiful systems. You asked me about technology. Yes. Um, we have technology in a couple of places. Uh, recently, the federal government has required that we track food from seed to sale. So we're going to use quick response codes. A quick response code is that two-dimensional barcode that looks like a checkered board. It allows uh, a quantum more variety of uh, things you can describe because it's two-dimensional versus uh, uh, the stripes that you have in uh, one-dimensional barcode. So we use that. We use uh, a computer program that tracks everything, lets let you know when you're supposed to grow what, and if you had to have it start in a greenhouse, it'll tell you how much table room. Let's say I want to grow watermelon and I want it to uh, get ripe in August. It'll tell me, if I want to grow so many plants, it'll tell me how soon I should plant it, what percentage will not make it to fruition, and um, how much space I'm supposed to take in the greenhouse and then for it to be harvested at a certain time in the future. So farming is one of the, and gardening is one of the uh, avocation that has not rapidly computerized, but Zanjibil Gardens have uh, taken that into account. Also, we use... um, what helped me win the contest with uh, Whole Foods and Rage was I um, put some notices and put uh, QR codes where you could see my little 50-second commercial, and it would bring up a link to where you could vote online. So we use all those types of things um, to, you know, we use computers to help us do what we need to do, marketing to production. All right, so let me ask this in closing because our, our hour is winding down as it always does very quickly. Where can people keep up with Zangibill Gardens? Uh, do you have a social media presence or a website or anything like we're that? We're building our social media presence. Um, we're, at, uh, we're on Facebook at okay. Zangibill Gardens, mm-hmm. and we have a um, – you can find us by Googling Zangibill Gardens. And we plan to be on all the various uh, social media sites in the future. We're a new farm. We're also community-owned. You can own a piece of Zanjibil. Uh, Please call me at 815-549-7332 to find out about that. Say it again. 815-549-7332. 
7332 ask for Kamal Rashid we're currently um, have a GoFundMe campaign. We need lots of money to do these uh, wonderful things. Farming is a full manufacturing process. We take something from nothing, we add value, and come out with something better. And people can go. So Radio Islam family, you can uh, follow up and keep up with Kamal Rashid uh, on the Facebook page, Zangerville Gardens. I want to thank you again for coming in. And I really feel like we... I know that we could have talked for another uh, for another hour. So you gave some great information. I look forward to uh, having you back uh, in the near well, future. Well, thanks for inviting me. All right. The, uh, absolutely welcome. Thanks for coming. All right, folks. Uh, our producer, well, I guess that would be me, uh, your producer and host, Tariq Elamine, our engineer in studio, Ibrahim Baig, and our engineer, WCEB, is Leonard. Thank you very much over there, Leonard, for doing what you do for us. And, folks, we look forward to talking to you tomorrow. At 6 p.m. Uh, oh, we should always remember our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. The views expressed of the host and guests are theirs and should not be taken as the views of Sound Vision Inc. We look forward to talking to you tomorrow evening. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.